Well, good morning, Lakeside family. It is very awesome to see so many people here who decided to spend their New Year's Eve morning with the family of Jesus here at Lakeside. So thank you so much for coming out. You are singing great, and I just greatly appreciate it and am encouraged today to be with all of you. You know, this, this time of year as we close out another year, I get super nostalgic. I'm already a super nostalgic kind of guy, and it's almost to the point where it's really extremely weird. Um, I, I have old Happy Meal boxes from when I was a kid. That's really weird, right? Amen, right? Okay, yeah. And the thing is, my wife doesn't know where they are at my house. But I'm super nostalgic, so I hold on to those things because they remind me of having a meal with my parents growing up. And they take me back right to that spot. You know, and I find myself this time of year reviewing all that God has done this past year. The good, the bad, but it's the bad that he's turned for our good that I think about. It's fun to look back in, in the year and, uh, on the, and remember the experiences that God has allowed me to have in my life. I, I brought some, I told you I'm very nostalgic, I brought some ticket stubs from this last May from when my wife and I went to the Hoover Dam. You know, the, the digital age I'm not a big fan of because all the tickets are digital now. So I'm taking screenshots of my ticket stubs so I can save it, okay, so I can remember these things. Um, but, but it's, uh, you know, as I think about the experiences, it's not the experiences, it's, it's the people that I've shared the experiences with in my life this past year that God has uh, allowed me to think about going into this new year. And it's the people who God has allowed me to know and to see, the, see him work in their lives that God's brought back to my, to my mind. And, you know, as we stand on the doorstep of a new year, I, I'm encouraged, and I want to encourage you this morning to open the door in 2024. You'll never forget that now. It's very corny. So I told my kids when I told them this, and they all laughed at me like, that, Dad, that's a little corny. I'm like, no, you'll remember it. Open the door in 2024. And so that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. So let me open up in a word of prayer and ask God to work here this morning and to challenge us, and then we'll dive into our passage this morning. God, thank you for the opportunity to gather together as a family, Lord. Lord, I'm so thankful for the family that you bought by the precious blood of Jesus, that we can surround one another in the good and the bad that you're turning for our good, and we can encourage one another, and we can spur one another on to good works. Lord, use your word this morning in each one of our lives. I pray for the one or may here that need to open the door to Jesus for the very first time, God. I pray that you would do that work that only you can do in their hearts today. And then for those of us who know you, Lord, who are part of this great family, Lord, help us to have a new uh, just challenge to be looking for the people around us who need to open the door to Jesus. Lord, do a work, do what you need to do in each one of our hearts to change us and help us take next steps with you today. We love you in Christ's name, amen. 
I would invite you to take your copy of God's word, open to Matthew chapter nine if you haven't already, or pull out that insert there so you have the words of God in front of you as we talk through these this morning. We are talking about the challenges to open the door in 2024. And today I wanna just go over two basic little things here this morning as we head into a new year. And that is to open your door to Jesus, that's first and foremost, and then to open your door to others. And we do that through informal, unhurried moments and a formal, and we have a formal, urgent purpose in that as well. So that's where we're heading today as we dive into this passage. So would you join me and look with me at Matthew chapter nine and right away at verse nine, open your door to Jesus. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. Very, very simple. So here's the story. Matthew, who's a tax collector, he's Jewish, but he saw an opportunity to make money and be hired by Rome and work for Rome to collect taxes. So all his Jewish countrymen looked at him as a traitor, but he took that opportunity to grow great wealth and to be this tax collector. He saw this Jesus that day as he was sitting in his tax booth and Jesus came to him, looked him in the eye and said, you, Matthew, follow me. Become my disciple, become my student, become a learner of me and leave all of that behind what you have in your life. This invitation that we see to Matthew is the same invitation to follow Jesus today that I wanna make sure everybody in this room knows that it's open to everyone Many of you have already come to that point in your life and praise God. And some of you, as I've been thinking about this year, it's been just this last year and we've been praising the Lord alongside you for what he's done in your life. But I know that there are many yet in this room. Maybe some of you have been coming to Lakeside for quite some time. Maybe it's your first time walking in the door today that you haven't made that choice to follow Jesus yet. Can I just remind you, the ones who haven't decided to follow Jesus yet, and then as well as the ones who have, can I just remind you of the good news of Jesus, the gospel today? Just let me review quickly with you on these things. Romans chapter 6, 23, it says, it gives us the bad news right away, for the wages of sin is death. We are all sinners in this room. Everyone, Matthew was a sinner. We are all sinners. And because of our sin, because we chose to act independently from God's way, we deserve death. And we know the reality of death. There's death in the physical sense, but the Bible also talks about a greater, I believe, greater death and a more serious death, and that is a death of a relationship, a full separation from God for all eternity that every one of us deserves because we've acted independently from what God wants us and God's ways. 
And that's what we've earned because of our sin. But praise the Lord, amen, that this verse doesn't stop there. Be reminded today, the free gift, but the free gift of God is eternal life. It's not just abundant life here and now on this earth. This isn't the end. This isn't our home. Our home as believers is eternal life with God and others who have gone on before us who have believed in Christ's name. And that gift of eternal life that God's given us, it's wrapped up in the package, in the person, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? So thankful for that today. And believers, constantly remind yourself of the truth of that verse throughout 2024. And those of you who have never surrendered your life fully to Christ, the bad news is today, you're heading right now to a separation from God for all eternity. But you can change that all today because God's extending a gift to you of eternal life through Jesus. And then Revelation 3.20, one of my favorite verses is becoming more and more precious in my life. It says, behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. I'm not barging in, I'm just knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and they open the door, Jesus says, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. What an awesome picture of relationship, of sweet, sweet fellowship, of having a meal with Jesus. And all he says we need to do is by faith, by believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can't go to the Father, but only through him. By believing that, we open the door to him and we have relationship and fellowship with him. Sealed forever. Amen, believers? I have to say this as just as Matthew in the moment, Jesus says to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew left it all. He had wealth. He had security because the Romans were protecting him. He had it all. But he saw in Jesus that he didn't have that. He didn't have it all. He needed Jesus. And he dropped everything and he opened the door of that tax booth and went and followed Jesus. And just like that, you, as we head into 2024, you who have never made that decision yet, that most important decision in your life, you can simply, right where you're sitting, admit that you're a sinner and receive and believe that there's a free gift given to you through Jesus. And I pray, and as all the other pastors pray for you as well, that God would do that work that only he can do in your heart to take you from death to life today. And that's what happened in Matthew's life. And Matthew realized at that moment that this is where real, true, eternal living begins. And so open your door to Jesus. What better way to start a new year? (laughs) There isn't one than to start your new year by giving your life to Jesus and being transformed by him. Number two then, 
Once you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved and you're part of the family that we enjoy together in this fellowship, this relationship, the next thing is to open your door to others. And God has been working on me in the last couple months on this in my own life and challenging me in my own life. So as I talk to you today, I want you to know this has been washing over me and working. God's been using it to, to change my life as well. And so open your doors to others. The first thing I want you to notice from our text today is that there's, Jesus took informal, unhurried moments to spend with others. Look at verse 10. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, we have a little more information in Luke uh, in this, uh, this time. It's talking about that Matthew went back and followed Jesus and he invited Jesus and the disciples and others and he held a great feast at his house. And so that's where we are. We're in Matthew's house and they are reclining around the table and Jesus is reclining at the table and there's tax collectors and sinners, which all of us, right, sinners, came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And you have to understand the culture back then, when they had a meal together, they had a lower table than what we're used to, and they literally reclined around the table. They would, you know, lean into the table and recline on an elbow and eat, and just kind of very relaxed and formal and just unhurried, And I think about that, this unhurried moment. You know, in our culture today, right? In American culture, we are so scheduled. And there's nothing wrong with planning, nothing wrong with being scheduled, but we're so scheduled. And we're so busy running from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing that we need to learn, I have to learn how to be unhurried in those moments so I can spend time with the people that God's put in front of me. You know, notice that Jesus is reclining here with sinners. And I wanna be very clear, because he was reclining with sinners, this wasn't him approving or joining in their sinful actions. He was reclining with them and spending these informal, unhurried moments to be a light, like we talked about last week on Christmas Eve, to be a light to them in the midst of the darkness. And you know, I, I, I believe at times we can either be so scheduled and so busy that we miss those moments that God's put in front of us to be unhurried with people. And then we also, I think we can become, as believers, we can live such an insulated life from the world that we aren't being the light in the darkness as we're supposed to be, as we're called to be. You know, this was Jesus's mission when he came to this earth. And it was Jesus's method in his mission as he was going along in his life. One writer said it was his inefficiently effective method for mission. It's a mouthful, so let me say it again. It was his inefficiently effective method for mission. 
It is inefficient to be unhurried. Okay? It is. But it's what our culture needs. It's what people need. And this gets noticed by people in our culture. I know we've had people come up to Pastor Dave specifically and tell him that they've never been invited to a pastor's house for lunch before. And they're blown away by that, that, and they're blown away that pastors would actually come visit them at their house. Our culture craves these unhurried moments. And by unhurried time, this is what the writer said this means. So by an unhurried time, we mean that when we are with a person, we focus on the person. Katie, right? Just going to say that. (laughs) Choose an example of that. By unhurried time, we mean that when we are with a person, we focus on the person. In other words, be where you are, not be thinking about the next thing. Oh, that we would grasp that. Jesus knew that in every moment he was in. He was in the moment with the people. And he made it about the people. In Greg Finke's book, Joining Jesus on His Mission, he says these informal, these informal, unhurried moments are all for the purpose of finding out these three questions. And I want you, as you go in 2024 and you think about opening the door to others in your life and have informal, unhurried moments with them, but be purposeful about it, I want you to think about these three questions and answering these about the people you interact with. First, who are these people? Who are they? What's their background? Because we all have a story, right? Number two, what is Jesus already up to in their lives? Because he's up to something in every person's life in this room today. I'm so thankful for that. But do you know what he's up to in the next person's life and sitting next to you today? Or the person you meet on the street, what's he up to in their lives? Who are these people? What is Jesus already up to in their lives? And then how can you and I join Jesus in his work in their lives? How can we join Jesus in their lives? How can we enter into what he's already doing? If you can keep those three questions before you, this has been a challenge to me, like I just wanna put them on a mirror, put them somewhere I'm seeing them or remembering them. If I can keep those three questions before me in my daily life, that could transform how I work and how I interact with people. And it could transform those people to know Jesus and have a relationship with him. Which these questions lead me to this next point when it comes to open your door to others. And that is, yes, it's informal, unhurried moments that come up every single day, but it's for a formal, urgent purpose. It's for a formal, urgent purpose. Look at verse 10 again, as I already read it. This was Matthew bringing Jesus to the table at his house and knowing that he's gonna have all these other sinners come with him so that they can know Jesus. Like I wanna introduce Jesus to these people that I've been, been friends with these many, many years and now I know Jesus and I'm following after him. I want them to see him too. 
And so Matthew, after choosing to follow Jesus, he makes this big feast, and he has all these tax collectors and sinners come to find Jesus and to introduce Jesus to him. And so as you and I have many informal moments coming up before us in 2024, let's purpose that early on in those moments, we would introduce Jesus by identifying early on in that relationship as I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a Christ follower. And that desire to do that, believer, brother and sister in Christ, that desire to do that starts by first meeting with Jesus yourself every day. It starts by being in the word every day, learning from him, hearing from him. And then it also starts by praying for all the unbelievers that you know in your life. How many of us have unbelievers in our lives that we know and we love? Start a prayer list of those people. The Engage Network, about a month or two ago, we had an opportunity to get together some of the leaders in the Engage Network to hear testimony how the Engage Network started. And all these pastors who planted these different churches in our Engage Network, they shared that one of the key things they did early on is they had notebooks full of names of people who need Jesus. And once a week, they'd pray through those notebooks. And as God worked and brought them to Jesus, they would circle the names of the people. Brother and sister in Christ, let's do that this next year. Think of what God wants to do and what God will accomplish and what God will reveal to us about himself if we just purpose to pray for the unbelievers in our lives weekly. And think how many circles we would have by the end of 2024. Can't wait. This desire to introduce Jesus to people, it starts first by spending time with Jesus, becoming more and more in love with Jesus. And that comes through hearing from him in his word and praying to him back in that relationship. So that's the first formal urgent purpose. The second one I want you to notice from our text is that there's a healing rescue mission going on. So the Pharisees come on the scene of Jesus reclining around this table with the, with the tax collectors and the sinners. And in verse 11, we see they saw this and they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? I hope that people would say that about everybody here at Lakeside. I hope there'd be some people out there on the, on the outside, the Pharisees of this world that would come in and say, why do you guys spend time with sinners? Because we love them. <laughs> and you need to too, because you're a sinner too. And so Jesus hears this. I love this. Jesus didn't give an opportunity for those disciples to jump in. Jesus just heard the Pharisees. And so says verse 12, but when Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And then the last part of 13, he says, for I came not to call the righteous, 
but sinners. You see, the Pharisees, if you, don't, if you remember, they were self-righteous leaders. And what they did is they added to the word of God by adding a whole bunch of laws to the law so that they wouldn't get, so they could actually think in themselves, be extra good, okay, and not break the law. However, in doing that, guess what? They were sinning because they added to God's word, but they were so blinded by their self-righteousness that they didn't see that. They didn't see it that way. And Jesus heard the question and he gave this statement to the Pharisees and it was not telling the Pharisees, it was not agreeing with them that they were not sick and that they were righteous. He wasn't like, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're righteous and you're, you're not sick. He wasn't saying that to the Pharisees. In fact, Jesus took opportunities later on throughout his life. He took times to recline at the table of Pharisees as well. And it was all for the purpose to challenge them to actually see who they were in light of a holy God. That they needed the same thing as those tax collectors and sinners needed. They needed Jesus. And even one Pharisee, Nicodemus, we know, actually received Jesus and realized that. He also in this passage was claiming that he was the great physician. He is the great physician. And he came to rescue or to heal sinners. But it was important that those sinners had to recognize first that they were sick and in need of healing, in need of being rescued. About six weeks ago, I, I blew out a, a tendon in my bicep. And I remember doing that and grabbing it. And I thought to myself, oh, I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm good. Perfectly fine. No problem. I got this. I'm a tough guy. No, 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 no. I thought, God, I'm messed up here. This is bad. I got to go get help. I got to go get somebody to help me here and get better. Lord, I need you. <laughs> The Pharisees weren't there. They were so consumed with themselves that they didn't see their need for a healer. They didn't see their need for a rescuer. Please, you in here who have never fully surrendered your life to Christ, don't walk out of this room not seeing your great need. You need to be rescued. You are floundering today. You are dying today. You need to be rescued. You need to be healed spiritually and have a relationship with Jesus. And we have that great opportunity, believers, as we have unhurried informal moments with people, we have that great opportunity to share with them how they can be healed, how they need to be healed, how they need to be rescued, and then we can give them the answer to it all in Jesus. Hmm. And then the third thing I wanna say about this formal, urgent purpose that Jesus had in his life and he was, he was being an example of for all of us. I skipped over it in verse 13 in his answer to the Pharisees. It talks about being a minister of mercy. A minister of mercy in verse 13. He tells the, tells the Pharisees, says, go and learn. I love that. Go and learn what this means. 
I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the Pharisees, knowing the prophets and knowing the Old Testament, their mind would have been cast back to the prophet of Hosea. And in Hosea 6.6, he says, God says, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God to know me rather than burnt offerings. The Pharisees were all about the system, the religious system of following the law and going through the sacrifices and the burnt offerings. And Jesus is like, I want you to go and learn what it means that I desire mercy. Mercy is translated as, in Hosea as steadfast love. In other places, it's translated as compassion. It means kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. And you might look in your neighborhood and think, man, those people around me, they have it all together. They got the house, they got the cars, they got the boat, they got all those things. But can I tell you, they're sinners, which means they're afflicted. And if they're without Christ, they're definitely this. They're miserable and afflicted. And mercy is having kindness and goodwill towards them joined up with this desire to help them, to give them the help they need, which is Jesus. And we can meet those, those special needs, right? We can meet some of those material needs that they have those. But that should always lead us to help them meet the greatest need, which is a relationship with Jesus that they have to have. Warren Wiersbe says this in his commentary, God does not want our relationship with him to be one of shallow, transient feelings and empty words and rituals, hearts that are enthusiastic one day and frigid the next. That was the Pharisees. God doesn't want that in a relationship. He wants real you. <laughs> Another writer said that Jesus was making it clear that he has come to change sinners' hearts, not to prop up people who think they are righteous through their religious traditions and ritualistic worship. He came to show that he wants to change hearts, to transform people from death to life, give them true purpose to live and keep on living. <laughs> God wants us as believers to be ministers of mercy. Remember the good news of Jesus. It came to you. It came to me because it's on its way to somebody else. It didn't come to you and me just to save us, just to keep us from hell, just to give us a relationship and eternal life. It came to us because it's on its way to our neighbors. It's on its way to our family members. It's on our way to maybe the person sitting right next to you here at church today. 
And then as we focus more and more on being ministers of mercy to others around us, we get God blesses us with a front row seat to the saving power of Jesus working in their lives. And there's no better thing in this life to see. In closing, I have a few pictures I want to share with you because I'm nostalgic. Here's the first two. They're just tables, Joel, <laughs> right? These are not just tables to me. These are two, two special tables of two special families in my, in my life these past couple years. They caused me to stop and be nostalgic. These two tables are two places where I have had the opportunity to spend informal, unhurried moments for the formal, urgent purpose of sharing Jesus with three individuals. Amen. It was at these tables, I had a front row seat to God's amazing power. And watching him open up their eyes and take them from death to life. Praise the Lord, right? Amen. I'm so thankful for being able to God to, that he allows me, allows any of us to sit and watch him work. Such a privilege, so undeserved. And I want every single one of you in this room, brother and sister in Christ, to join me in that this year. You have never had a more satisfying moment in your life and more just God-loving, uh, worshiping time in your life than to sit and share Jesus with somebody and watch God just do the work. And that brings me to this last picture, which I get really nostalgic about. This is our table. This is my family's table. In fact, my, 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 my father-in-law built this table. I sat at this table and he sat on the end when I was dating his daughter. And he lowered the hammer many times on me, praise the Lord. <laughs> But as I talk about my table here, I want you to picture your table. I want you to picture your table. Brothers and sisters, let's practice the lost discipline of table fellowship in 2024. Let me remind you, it does not have to be fancy. In fact, if I've had you over or if I, when I have you over at my house, I'll tell you, we're real. It's going to be messy. It's going to be dirty. This table is clean as it's ever been. We homeschool at that table. It gets messy. We live in our house. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be fancy. People won't remember the food. Don't worry about the house being the perfect, perfectly clean either. We have to stop allowing those things, which ultimately is our pride. We have to allow those to stop us. 
We have to stop allowing those, sorry, we have to stop allowing those to stop us having people over and practicing this, this awesome discipline of table fellowship. Think about the culture change that would take place. Think about the culture change that would take place here at Lakeside and in Polk City if we would consistently open up our door in 2024 to others and then give them Jesus if they don't have him. Now John Piper at one of his sermons at the church he preached, he, I won't do this today because it's New Year's Eve and you probably already have plans, but think this on Sunday mornings. This half, you need to invite somebody over to your house from this half. And this half, invite somebody from this half. And eventually you'll figure it out and you'll be at somebody's house that day, okay? What a change that would be among the believers. And what a change it would be in somebody's life to have them come to your table. Think about this. Who are you going to open your door to in 2024 so that they will open up the door of their heart to Jesus. Who? Father, thank you. Thank you so very much for this great example of Jesus. Thank you most of all that he entered in and came to this earth as a little baby that we celebrated last week and he lived this perfect life that we could never live and then he could be the perfect sacrifice in our place for our sins. And that he rose again so that we can have eternal life. Lord, thank you for that free gift that you've given many of us in this room. And as we stand ready to go into another year, I pray for the one or many in here that have never fully surrendered their life to you. Lord, I pray in the quietness, right where they are, right where they're sitting, that they would simply just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be rescued today. And Lord, for the rest of my brothers and sisters and myself included here at Lakeside, God, would you give us a deep desire would you set that desire so much in my heart and in our lives that, it would, that we would have to act on it? To spend informal, unhurried moments with a specific purpose in mind to give people Jesus and to encourage our other brothers and sisters to continue to walk with Jesus and enjoy him more and more. God, you are a great, Great God. So think back on this year. Thank you for all your goodness to us. Thank you for the good things. And Lord, thank you for the bad, difficult things that you've turned for our good to make us more like Jesus. And you still are using them right now to turn us and to make us more like your son, Jesus. To you be all the glory for 2023. And may we open the door to what you want to do in 2024. We love you today in Christ's name. Amen.